Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. Today, we're going to look at scriptures from Epiphany 5, the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany. Now, remember, the Epiphany is always January the 6th. January the 6th. Remember, the scriptures there are celebrating the message of Christ to the Gentiles. This is the famous Matthew 2 text where the Magi come to offer gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to Jesus. And now we are on the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany. And if you look at the scriptures in this post, we are looking at scriptures from Genesis. We have been in Genesis for several weeks. We are looking at the end of Hebrews chapter 13. And we've got several texts from Romans 12 and 13 and 14, which are excellent. And then we continue our study of John in John 7, John 8. All right, let's dig in. We are in Genesis 24. Now, remember, we started with Abram, whose name was changed to Abraham. And Abraham and Hagar had a son named Ishmael, but he was not a child of the promise. Sarah became pregnant of which she laughed when she heard the idea that she was going to become pregnant. It was totally crazy that that was going to happen because she was of age, great age, and so was her husband Abraham. They did have a son named Isaac. And we left off in the week of four epiphany in chapter 24 when we were talking about Rebecca and Isaac. Rebecca and Isaac. Let's look at that scripture uh, on uh, chapter 25, chapter 24, 50 to 67, which you find in the post, uh, talks about the continuing relationship in chapter 24 with Isaac and Rebekah. In chapter 25, it's not in the post, but I want to make sure that you have this information. Turn with me to chapter 25, verse um, 1. Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. And she bore him these children. She left everything, he left everything he owned to Isaac. And he lived 175 years, verse 7 of chapter 25. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years. This is chapter 25 of Genesis, verse 7. After Abraham's death, God blessed his son Isaac, who lived near Beer Laha Roy. Now, notice on on, uh, verse 12, this is the account of Abraham's son Ishmael, whom Sarah's maidservant Hagar the Egyptian bore to Abraham. Okay, just want to make sure you had that information. Now, we go to verse 19, which is found in this post. This is the account of Abraham's son Isaac. Okay, Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was... 40 years old, when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Armenian, from Padam Haram, and sister of Laban, the Armenian. So, Isaac prayed to the Lord in verse 21, on behalf of his wife, because she was barren. So, as I said, in chapter 24, we see how Rebekah and Isaac met. We recount Abraham had Ishmael. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac was the son of the promise. Now, Isaac and Rebekah want to have children. She now prays. The Lord answered her prayer in verse 21 of chapter 25, and 
his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. And it finds that we find out that she is going to have twins. Look at verse 23. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Now, that is not common in those times. In those times, the oldest was the key, and the younger served the older. In this case, the older is now going to serve the younger. All right? Now, when the time came for her to give birth, in verse 24, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and the whole body was like a hairy garment, and they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, and he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 when Rebekah gave birth to them. All right. So what happened was, is Jacob um, was a very conniving, very smart guy, and quite underhanded, some might say. And Esau sold his birthright in verse 33 because he was starving and he was starving and he had some stew and and Jacob said in verse 31, first sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die. What good is a birthright? So he sold it. He gave him some bread, gave him some Lenten stew. He ate and drank. He got up and left. He despised his birthright. Now that was a very, very significant mistake on his part. He being the older, despised his birthright. And this is how the younger is going to actually advance and the older is going to serve the younger. Look at chapter 26. Isaac and Abimelech, Abimelech, there was a famine in the land besides the earlier famine of Abraham's time, verse 1. Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. So it was important that they stay together, read this wonderful story about uh, these guys, and uh, let's um, uh, look at verse 23 and 24. From there he went up to Beersheba. That night the Lord appeared to him and said, I'm the God of your father Abraham. This is Isaac. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I will bless you and increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. And then Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. He pitched his tent, verse 25, and there his servants dug a well. So the key here is that it was very important that Abraham and Sarah have a child of the promise, Isaac, Okay, and then Isaac and Rebekah had Esau and Jacob and that they stay in the land that God had given them and that the Lord would bless them in the land. Now, this was all, as we said uh, a while back, all in conjunction with the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3 and the need for a Messiah to save us from our sins because we had broken relationship with God and Beginning in Genesis chapter 12, we have the plan of God and how the Jewish people would be divinely called by God to carry the Messiah. And so we just celebrated the birth of Messiah uh, weeks ago in Christmas time. 
We celebrated the incarnation. We celebrated this Jewish man um, uh, growing in the womb of Mary, assuming flesh, deity. Jesus is God and assumes human flesh uh, in the incarnation and then um, begins his ministry at the age of 30. In the meantime, let's go back to Jacob in chapter 27. Jacob gets Isaac's blessing. It's a beautiful story. It's quite tragic for Esau, but in a conniving sort of way, he gets his blessing. As you'll read in chapter 27, 1 through 29, which is on Wednesday and Thursday, as you see in this post, 27, 30 to 45. And then he extends that into Friday. And so he got the blessing from his father. He did it in an underhanded way. And the blessing could not be revoked. It, poor Esau is left out in the cold. Okay? Look at verse 36. Isn't he rightly named Jacob? Esau said. He has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright and now he's taking my blessing. Those two things were profoundly important in ancient times. The birthright of the oldest son and the blessing from the father to the oldest son in terms of his posterity and taking care of the name. And Jacob got both of them. But it was prophesied before they were born that that would happen, as I uh, shared with you earlier. Okay, let's uh, continue on in chapter 29, 1 through 20. Jacob arrives in Padan Aram. Then Jacob continued on his journey and came to the land of the eastern people. Verse 1, he saw a well in the field with three flocks of sheep lying near it because the flocks were watered from the well. The stone over the mouth of the well was large. When all the flocks were gathered there, there, the shepherds would roll the stone away from the well's mouth and water the sheep. Then they would return the stone to its place over the mouth of the well. Jacob asked the shepherds, my brothers, where are you from? We're from Haran. He said to them, Do you know Laban, Nahor's grandson? Yes. Then Jacob asked them, Is he well? Yes, he is. And here comes his daughter Rachel with the sheep. Now remember, we, have, we started out in, ver, in chapter 24 with Isaac and Rebekah. Now we've got Jacob and Rachel. And that uh, series of scriptures is 29 to... Uh, Verse uh, 20, chapter 29 to verse 20, now we're seeing the relationship and how Jacob met Rachel. And so please enjoy that reading, and we will uh, uh, continue to read that in chapter 29, how Jacob marries Leah and then has to marry Rachel later. It's a complicated story. I think you'll enjoy it very, very much. In Hebrews chapter 13... Hebrews chapter 13, the end of Hebrews. Hebrews has 13 chapters. We are uh, looking in uh, this post, 1 through 16. Keep on loving each other as brothers. Chapter 13, verse 1. Do not forget to entertain strangers, verse 2. For by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Verse 4. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexual immoral. Okay, verse 5, keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. Good advice for us also, because God has said, never will I leave you, leave you never will I forsake you. So say with confidence, verse 6, the Lord is my shepherd. I will not be afraid. 
What can man do to me? Then he says, remember your leaders. So what we have here in the 13th chapter are the listing of these sentences of verses, as it were, uh, that are separated. The sentences are separated and identified uh, with verse numbers. And we just have a different idea. So this, these are a good litany of verses that I think you'll enjoy very much. Verse 15 is uh, poignant. Through Jesus, let us, offer, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Then we continue on on Tuesday, 13, 17 to 25. May the God of peace, this is a beautiful prayer, verse 20, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So when we kind of look at where we've come far, uh, so far, from so far, we have Genesis, we're right there at the beginning. We got Abraham and Sarah Abraham and Hagar, uh, Isaac, uh, the child of the promise, Isaac and Rebekah. Then we have Isaac uh, has Jacob and Esau. And then we're going to be following Jacob because Esau, unfortunately, is not going to be the lead. He lost his birthright and he lost his blessing from his father. And then, of course, eventually you'll have Jacob and his 12 sons, which become the 12 tribes of Israel. And um, that's a very, very important point. Jesus is going to come from the tribe of Judah, by the way, the tribe of Judah. So we come to Hebrews and we see the fulfillment of the Messiah. We see uh, Jesus as the Messiah. And we see the writer of the Hebrews telling us how important Jesus is in this fantastic, fantastic epistle. And then we have the 13th chapter, which gives us a litany of verses that I think would help us in our daily living quite well. We see the same thing, interestingly, in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8 and 9 to 21. If you look at that chapter, I'm sure you know that chapter quite well. This is an extraordinary listing of things that we should do. Let's start at the beginning. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, verse 1, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform anymore to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Great idea. Renew your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is because your mind will be renewed. You'll be able to know the will of God, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay? Here's another piece of great advice. By the, by the, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Now, the litany that I was speaking about also includes verse 9, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Verse 10, honor one another above yourselves. Great advice. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Next verse. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. We do not have permission for retribution. Um, look at um, verse uh, 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. There it is again. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. 
If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Okay. The scriptures that we have listed in Hebrews 13 are wonderful. The scriptures we have listed in Romans chapter 12 are, are wonderful. Let's look at um, chapter 13. 1 through 7 is about submission to authorities. Let's look at verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. There's the love one another idea. We also saw that in 1 John chapter 4. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. He says in verse 12, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Again, great, fantastic advice for all of us. Verse 13 and 14. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Put Christ on and do not think about how to gratify the desires of your sinful nature. So the temptation to do the wrong thing is always going to be there for all of us. But by putting on Christ, you, you and I will be much more protected. Don't think about how to satisfy those desires. Chapter uh, 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14. He says in chapter 14, verse 8, if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. You're the Lord's right now. If Jesus is Lord of your life, you repented of your sins and you're following Christ, you put your faith in Christ, then you are now born again and you are alive in Christ. And when you pass away, you're still going to be in Christ. So whether you live or die, you're in the Lord. That's the key thing. You want to be in the Lord. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Chapter 14, verse 10. Yes, we're all going to stand before the judgment of God. It is written, verse 11. As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue confess to God. This is from Isaiah 49 and Isaiah 45. So then, verse 12. Each of us will give an account of himself to God. We're going to give an account of ourselves to God after our death. He says in verse 17 of chapter 14, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. So the kingdom of God is not you know, about eating stuff and doing stuff. Uh, on a regular daily basis that is temporal, uh, that does not have eternal significance. But what we want to focus on is righteousness, right living, peace of God, the joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anybody that serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. So we'll, we'll be approved by those watching us, and then we will also be pleasing to God, which is very important also. Beautiful set of verses in Hebrews and in Romans for your daily reading. So enjoy very much. Let's go back to the Gospel of John. Now we're looking, now we see in Genesis, we see the very early stages of the preparation for the Messiah. In Hebrews, we see the very late stages of it. And then we go back to Jesus' life about 30 AD, and we see what he's doing in John chapter 7. 37. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, If a person is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Verse 38. 
Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within them. Remember, we had the uh, Samaritan woman in chapter 4 of John when we talked about water again. By this he meant the spirit with those who believed in him were labored later to receive. Okay? So, streams of living water. So, again, we're not looking at the temporal aspect of it, like drinking water so you'll quench your thirst. He's talking about something that has eternal ramifications, something that's supernatural. Supernatural. Very, very important. Very important. So 27, uh, uh, 37 to 52 is just very, very nice. Chapter 7, um, 53 to 8, um, 11 is about the woman caught in adultery. Very famous uh, series of readings, series of scriptures, uh, where this woman got caught in adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone her. Now, what do you say? They wanted to trap him. They had, no, they had no desire to follow Jesus. They had no desire to do the right thing. So he bends down and he writes on the ground with his finger. We don't know what he was writing. They kept on questioning. He straightened up and he made this amazing statement. If any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Yes, she's guilty. But if you have no sin, you go ahead and throw stones. He stooped down and wrote down on the ground again. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until Jesus was left. The woman was standing there. Jesus straightened up and said, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? By throwing stones at her. No one, sir. Neither do I condemn you. Now, she's caught in adultery. She deserves to die. The punishment is death. By stoning. No one stoned her. No one picked up a rock. Jesus is not picking up a rock. But watch the end. Go and leave your life of sin. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to kill you. But you need to stop sinning. All right. Beautiful way to deal with sin. Chapter 8, 12 to 20. Jesus again spoke to the people. I'm the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but have the light of life. Darkness is in this world, obviously, and the darkness is found in evil. And in that darkness, there is no light, and we don't need to walk there. What do we need to do? We need to follow Christ, who is the light of the world. And if you have Christ as the light of the world, remember, he's not talking about literal light as much as he's talking about something transcendently beautiful, which is light, but it's the metaphor of darkness and light, okay? And... In darkness, there's evil, and in light, there's purity. There's righteousness. There's holiness. There's godliness. That's the way God wants us to uh, live. And the light that we need to have is from Christ. That's a very, very, very good scripture. 23, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Remember, Jesus comes down from heaven. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe who I am. The one that I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. So without Christ, we die in our sins. Okay? If nothing ever happens to us, we are going to die in our sins. That's why you must be born again comes from above. It comes supernaturally. All right. So God saves you supernaturally, moves you from darkness to light, from death to life. Okay, And Christ has the ability to do that. And he's the only one 
that does have the ability to do that. We continue on in chapter 8. If you hold to my teaching, verse 31, you will you are really my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Very, another very, very famous verse, the truth will set you free. Hold on to the teaching of Christ. Know the teaching of Christ. Follow the teaching of Christ. So chapter 8 is just a beautiful, beautiful chapter and it's just line after line, verse after verse of beautiful uh, verses. Verse 36, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. And he goes all the way to the end uh, in verse 59. He calls uh, the devil a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. He is a liar and the father of lies. This is verse 44 of chapter 8. He says, uh, I, he who belongs to God hears what God says in verse 47. Uh, he says in verse 51, I tell you the truth, if a person keeps my word, he will never see death. Now, the person's going to die, but he's talking about eternal death. If a person does not know Christ, they will see eternal death person knows Christ, they will see eternal life and be in eternal life. Not only in the future, but also in the present. I made reference to that earlier. So we have a beautiful set of um, chapters in chapter 7 and chapter 8. I just picked out a few of them. A beautiful listing of the the eternal qualities and the eternal uh, understanding that we need to have about Christ. We looked at Hebrews 13 and uh, Romans 12, 13, and 14, where we look at how God wants us to live. There's a lot to think about there. And then when we look at the history of the Jewish faith, uh, which leads to the coming of the Messiah through the Jewish faith in Christ, we see the beginnings of that of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And God is doing something powerful. He's setting them up so that the Messiah could eventually come through. Well, there's a lot in these beautiful scriptures. I pray that God would bless you abundantly. You have a wonderful time of learning learning and prayer and reflection. We'll see you next week when we look at the last Sunday after the Epiphany. God bless you.